Well, good morning. Thanks for being here, making sure my microphone is on. Hey, if you are here for the first time, uh, we're so glad that you stepped out. I know sometimes it's hard to step into a newer place, so thanks for doing that. If you're joining us online, we're grateful, too, that you're with us. Now, when I went to seminary, they said you always need to answer the question that's on people's mind. Otherwise, they'll be distracted in the sermon. So I know, I know the question that you've been thinking about. Those of you that saw our student pastor, Nate Godsell, and me, you're wondering, did we plan to wear the same color shirts? No, we did not. We are just so in tune. We did that. Is that not true, Nate? We didn't plan this. No, sir. So there. So now I feel like I'd answer your question. You can pay attention better in the sermon. I've never been seasick, but I've talked to people who have. They said it's miserable. Miserable. Because you're out in the boat, and you're not feeling well. In fact, you may even be thrown up. And what you need is stability, but you can't find a place that's stable. Is that not a little bit of a picture of life sometimes? I mean, circumstances are just driving us. They're pushing, they're, and, and we're looking for stability. Can't find it. Doesn't seem to be had. Well, this morning, I want us to think about this. Where can we find stability when life is unstable? That's what we're going to ask today. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to 2 Samuel chapter 22, we're going to go all the way through this chapter and wrestle with that question, where can we find stability when life is unstable? This psalm is, a, uh, this 2 Samuel 22 is a minor variation of a Psalm 18. You'll find it there, a couple things different. But, but we are coming to the end of our study of First and Second Samuel. Now some of you, you won't admit it, but you thought, we're never, this series is never going to end. Well, it is. It's going to end in two weeks. It is going to end in two weeks, people. Um, and then after that, we'll be looking at some psalms uh, throughout the summer. But this has been a study of Israel's transition from a loose federation of states to a monarchy. And at the heart of the issue has been reliance. The people were self-reliant. They wanted a king so they could be secure like the other nations. And God said, that's a bad idea. What you need is me. They kept calling for kings. So they got one. His first name was Saul. Uh, he didn't do well, didn't obey God. And so God raised up another king. His name was David. And we've followed David's life through. It's many of the ways they've, they've lived the favor of God. David made a couple critical mistakes and has suffered the consequences for that. And now we're looking at four chapters, 21, 22, 23, and 24. So we're in the second of those that are they're just a bookend, kind of helping us understand David's rule as king and his life. These are not chronological, as you'll see. This looks back into David's life. And with that introduction, let me read verse 1. It says, And David spoke the words of this song to the Lord in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. So I alluded to this. Saul was the first king. Two times he flat disobeyed God, and God said, I'm moving on. And so, so God had the prophet Samuel anoint David to be the next king. Now, I don't know if Saul knew about that anointing, but he knew of David's growing popularity, and it was a threat to him. So he brought all the forces of Israel to hunt David down with the idea of ending his life. And depending how you look at things, it certainly lasted 10 years. It may have been as long as 13 years. And in that time, I, th I can't help but think David thought, this is never going to end. <laughs> I am not going to be king. This guy, I mean, this thing goes on and on and on, and, and it, there is no end to it. 
And I say that to ask you, do you have stuff in your life that goes on and on and on? You think there's no one. So what am I talking? I'm talking about a health issue. I'm talking about a relationship, a spouse, a parent, a child, a coworker that just, I mean, you try and fix this thing and I'm talking about the finances at the end of every month for you. It is just paying this bill and not that. It just goes on and on and on. Well, I think 1 and 2 Samuel, one of the messages that is in there is that God provides for his people. If you'll remember, we started this book. There was a woman who was infertile. Her name was Hannah. And she asked for a son and said, if you give me a son, I'll, I'll dedicate him to you. And God gave that son, and his name was, was uh, Samuel, and he was the prophet that led Israel for years. And, and at the beginning of 1 Samuel, Hannah wrote a, a song of praise that God provided for her. Well, this is the other bookend. David saying, God has provided for me. Now, I've got to tell you, as I preach this, I'm, if I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. I'm one of these people who worries about every contingency and things can go on and on and on and on for me. Let me just take a snapshot from the life of North Point. Uh, we launched in 2005, but we announced it at Lincoln Brewing. We were a church plant at Lincoln Brewing in 2004. And it was Dick LeBlanc and me who would be the pastors who would lead out of North Point. And Dick, before he was the administrative pastor at um, Lincoln Brewing, before that he was the director of state land for the state of Nebraska. So this is a great guy to find a piece of property for. You know, we're going to need that. We'll do this. We'll knock that hum around. I can't tell you how many... Starting in 04, how many places Dick and I looked at and how many ideas he put forth that got shot down. And it's just kind of like, this seems like it's going on and on and on. And indeed, it was five years till we bought property and then six until we moved in. In that, we wondered. But God showed himself faithful. So David is reflecting back on those experiences. And here's what he says, starting in verse 2. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my Savior. You saved me from violence. I called upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Rock, fortress, deliverer, refuge, shield, salvation. Remember, we're, we're talking about a poem here. So repeating ideas to say what? God is a place of stability. Remember, you're in, a, you're in a swift current, and you get on a rock, and that rock's big and it's strong, and, and you stand there, and you're okay. You're being pursued by the enemy, and you get to the stronghold. You're protected from them and all their weapons and all their stuff. You're behind the wall. David's saying, here's what I found in the chaos of life, in the chaos of that chase, God has been a place of stability for me. Are you finding him to be a place of stability for you? Am I finding him to be a place of stability for me? So David talks a little bit poetically about what was going on. The waves of death, he says, they said they encompassed me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. Think about being on a fast river. I, I've done some whitewater stuff and, uh, you know, this and that, but there's class five rapids that David said, that's what I was being run by this, I was being pushed by this wave, and I, I wasn't strong enough. That's what was going on in my life. It was taking me to my demise. Verse 6, the cords of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. Cords and snares, 
signify you can't escape. Cords wrapped around you. Of course, when I think about this, I know you do. I, you hear that term. You think about James Bond, don't you? I do. In this particular James Bond movie, the bad guy, he was in the water, and there was this sea creature that had him wrapped up several times, and you think, Bond is done, but he's not. He's got this little pen, and he sticks it in there, and it's poison, and the sea creature dies, and he lives, and he, all the bad guys are gone. But I think about those cords wrapped around again and again. And that's what David's saying here. That's what my circumstances are. It's a tight spot. So what does David do in this tight spot? Verse 7, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God, and from his temple he heard my voice, and my cry for help came into his ears. Let me ask you, when you get in trouble, is your reflex to cry out to God? I'm talking cancer. I'm talking there's been an auto accident. I'm talking you've been downsized. I've been talking it's the end of the month. You know, you're in that conflict. Do you call out to God? Let me tell you that I hope the answer is yes. Because even if you're mad, even if you're frustrated, God, you're not answering that means you still believe he's there. He is. Do you believe he still hears you? David does. Even though it's been 10 to 13 years that he's in the midst of, David's still crying out. So how does God respond to David's cry? Verses 8 through 11. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of heaven were trembling and were shaken because he was angry. He's going to give some pictures here. Smoke, sign of anger, went up out of his nostrils. Don't we say that when somebody's mad? You can see smoke coming out their ears. Isn't that? Don't we get that? Well, that's what we got here. Fire from his mouth devoured. A fire goes through. We're in a neighborhood where somebody apparently left a, a kitchen stove eye on, and, and though the, the, the exterior wasn't destroyed, the, the interior was to the tune of $100,000. Went through that house. And we've seen the restoration agency outside, and there's a big dumpster in the driveway throwing stuff away. That's what fire does. It it devours. Here comes this God. Coals were kindled. He bowed down the heavens also and came down with thick darkness under his feet. Darkness is symbolic of fear and judgment. He rode on on a cherub and flew He appeared on the wings of the wind. I mean, he comes with blinding speed, fast before you know it, it's on you. So before, as a pastor, Hope and I worked on campus ministry, and we were in Chile, and we had a a summer project. Some students from the University of Colorado came down, and, and many of them were Spanish majors. And they couldn't wait to go on campus to speak with the Chileans. And you know what those native Spanish speakers did? They spoke to what? No, not English. They spoke their Spanish too what? Too fast. We didn't get it like this in the classroom at the University of Colorado when we got a bunch of gringos kind of, como esta usted? No, 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 no. This is flying. And they can't grasp it. It's going past them. That's what, I mean, God is coming so fast. You almost can't. God shows up in a profound way. Verses 12 through 16, 
uh, talk about God's arrival in the situation. Now, is God's arrival a, a good thing or a, a bad thing? Well, that's a, a question, is it? Depends on where you are in relationship to God. Now, let's talk, think about a crime scene. We've got a couple of friends here who are police officers. Uh, you're at a crime scene, and a police officer shows up. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, if you're the perpetrator of the crime, that's what? That's a bad thing. But if you're the victim of a crime, that's a good thing. Good police want them to show up. So this is what we got, verses 12 through 16. God shows up. He made darkness canopies around him, a mass of waters, thick clouds of the sky. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea appeared. The foundations of the world were laid bare by the rebuke of the Lord and the blast of the breath of his nostrils. I mean, the air coming out laid the foundation bare. You want that God showing up? If he's working on behalf of you, you bet you do. If you're in opposition to God, that's not a great thing. But David was in God's favor, so he was glad to have him show up. So I was in the sixth grade. We had eight classrooms, eight homerooms, and we had a field hockey tournament, floor hockey in the gym, you know. So, um, and about, this was in, we living in the Detroit area, about a third of the kids, the guys I went to school with, played hockey on skates for real. So if they could do it on skates, they could sure do it on the floor. You wanted those guys on your team. And the way it worked, you had six people. You had a goalie. You had two defensemen. They could not cross center court. We played in a basketball course. You had, you had two forwards. They could not go back across the center line. And you had your center. And your center was your best player. So we're in the semifinals, you see. And our best player is our center. He got a detention. And we're starting at 4 o'clock. And the school day ends at 3.30. Yeah, oh, no, you bet, oh, no. That's what we're thinking, oh, no. How's the other team feeling about him not being there? They're good. Us, not so much. About 3.59 and 30 seconds, he shows up. Woo! Six of us were really happy to see the old boy. The other six, not so much. Well, we win that game, and you know what we do the next week? We assign somebody. You stay with him, and you sit him. You tell him, shut up. Do not get it. Shut up. Do not get a detention. We're not going through this again. We needed that guy. We need God. That's just a picture. And when you're right with God and he shows up, it's a great thing. If you're in opposition to God, not so much. Again, God delivers. Verse 17, he took Sent from on high, he took me. He drew me out of many waters. Again, he's painting a word picture. I'm trapped at sea. There's nothing, nothing, nothing but water around. I don't know if you've watched movies, maybe Castaway, Tom Hanks being out there. When I was a kid, PT-109, Jack Kennedy, they got cut in half and they were adrift. And you, you have no hope unless somebody shows up. That's what David said, I got no hope unless somebody shows up, but God does. 
It says, he delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me. For they were what? Too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Here's what he says. He also brought me forth into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You ever been on a mountain drive? Where there's narrow roads and no guardrails? That's stressful, isn't it? Especially if you're driving. Don't go off, because I mean, he was in a, you're in a narrow place there, aren't you? Then, then you get a rest area, you can pull off, and it's a lot of room. Broad, broad, a lot of room. That's what David said, man, I was in a narrow place. I had, I had no margin. God, he, he brought me to a broad place. That's the God that David is celebrating. Verse 21 to 26, again, reminds us that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the clean, cleanness of my hands. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not acted wickedly against my God. For all his ordinances were before me, as for his statues I did not depart from them. I was also blameless toward him, and I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness before his eyes. With the kind you show yourself kind, with the blameless you show yourself blameless. Andy, wait a minute, wait a minute. We just finished talking about David and Bathsheba. Remember adultery and then you covered up with murder? What about that? My guess is this was written before that. And David certainly failed miserably in that area. But he had an inclination of I'm going to follow God. In those 10 to 13 years Saul was chasing him, at least two times he had Saul dead to rights. But in an act of faith, he said, I'm not going to end his life because I am not going to raise a hand against God's anointed. And he trusted God. And David says, God has rewarded that trust by showing up. So now, uh, starting in verse 26 through 31, God does reward those people who seek him. Let me read verse 26 again. With the kind, you show yourself kind. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the pure, you show yourself pure. With the perverted, you show yourself astute. You saved and afflicted people, but your eyes are on the haughty whom you abase. God opposes the proud, those who are arrogant, those who say, I don't need God. For you are my lamp, O Lord. You, you give me a, show me a path. And the Lord illumines my darkness. Think about somebody on a stage where it's all blacked out, but there's a spotlight. That spotlight gives that person direction. For by you, I can run upon a troop. For my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is blameless. The word of the Lord is tested. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. So then this leads David to a, a, a couple of rhetorical questions. In verse 32, for who is God besides the Lord? And who is a rock besides our God? And those are, there is no one. That's the point of those questions. There is no one like God. So in your instability, may I tell you, there's no one like God. There's no one like him. Verses 33 to 35, David speaks specifically about God's help. God is my strong fortress. He sets the blameless in his way. He makes me like he makes my feet like hind's feet. You can get someplace that you can't otherwise go. God enabled David to a place of safety. So I went to elementary school when there were still jungle gyms out there. Okay? 
and we would play tag at recess. And I was scared of heights. So do you know what would happen when I would get it? Do you know what all the other students would do? Go to the top of the, top of the jungle gym. And they don't have to worry about a thing because I'm not coming up there. That's what David's saying. God has given me supernatural ability to be places where people can't get me. He trains my hands for battle so my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So David praises God, verses 36 and 37. You also have given me the shield of your salvation, and your help makes me great. You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. Tells more of his victories. Verses 38 and 39. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them, and I did not turn back until they were consumed. And I have devoured them and shattered them so that they did not rise, and they they fell under my feet. Why does David have these victories? Verses 40 to 42. For you have girded me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also made my enemies turn their backs to me, and I destroyed those who hated me. They looked, but there was none to say, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. And in the final statement, David says, verse 43, Then I pulverized them as the dust of the earth. I crushed and stamped them as the mire of the streets. And he recounts what God's done for him, verses 44 to 46. You also delivered me from the contentions of my people. You have kept me as a head of the nations, and people whom I have not known serve me. Talks, this is about talking about Israel's kingdom expanding. For foreigners pretend obedience to me. As soon as they hear, they obey me. Foreigners lose heart and come trembling out of their fortresses. God, because you're with me, this is what is going on. And in verses 47 through 51, he goes on to exalt God. Do you remember where we started? 10 to 13 years of being on the run. David's drawing on this experience. And I'm sure there were many times he thought, I'm done. The king of Israel has all the resources at his fingertips, and it's only a matter of time. Yet God had anointed him to be king. Where did David find stability in that? He found stability in God. So we ask this question, where can we find stability when life is unstable? Here. Stability is found in trusting the certainty of God's provision for his people. Stability is founding. God has a history. God has a history. This is what we're saying. God has a history in doing what? Of providing for his people. Stability is found in trusting in the certainty of God's provision for his people. This is what this is screaming. God provides. The question is, do you, you and I believe that? Will we stake our life on that? You know, the, Jesus, when he was on earth, often used the Old Testament scriptures to point to himself. And I think this act of deliverance of God delivering David points to the ultimate act of deliverance of God Delivering Jesus. Yes, he was put in the ground. But God rose him from the dead on the third day. Signifying victory over death and forgiveness for our sin. And so that is the Father to whom we look. In verse verse 21, David talked about his righteousness. I want to tell you that it's not our righteousness that brings us before God, but it's the righteousness of Jesus that brings us before God and allows us to come into his presence. Now, if this is just a sermon that we check off, I I think we've missed the point. 
Starting July 2nd, we're going to work our way through Labor Day looking at various psalms. The psalms are songs of praise. They're poems of people expressing to God. We want to take some time to do that, but I want us to start today. I don't want us to blow through this. I want us to stop and think. And I want to ask first, what is your place of instability? What is your place where you think, man, is it a relationship? Is it a health issue? Is it a, a, a job? Is it a end of the month finance? What is it that is causing you instability? Because I think this was written for you and for me, by the way. I struggle. I want to cover every contingency. I need what David has to say in the Psalms. For a minute, as you think of that place of instability, I want to ask you, verses 2 through 4 say that God is a rock, a refuge, and a stronghold, a place of stability. Will you take a minute to reflect on what is going on and ask this question? Do you find God to be a stability, a place of stability? in your uncertainty. Would you reflect on that? And and you know what? Maybe you have got circumstances where you don't think, man, God, I don't feel very stable at all. Could you, in the quietness of your heart, could you speak that to God right now? I'd like us to use these psalms as a prayer. Would you take a minute and reflect on that? In verses 5 and 6, David tells God how he really felt. God, I feel like there's waves. There's torrents. Remember that? that that's pushing me, and they're too strong for me. Remember there, there were cords and snares that I couldn't escape from? Do you feel that way about your circumstances? Do you feel that way about your instability? Would you take a minute and voice that to God? In verses 8 through 11, God shows up in a powerful way. Remember the, the metaphors, smoke and fire and darkness? Remember the rapid speed he shows up? Would you take a minute in your circumstances and ask God to show up? And you know what? Maybe for you, I mean, you've been asking God to show up for like a long time. Andy, a long time. How long? A long time. And he hasn't shown up. And perhaps you're a little frustrated with God. It's okay. He knows. He can handle that. 
would you express wherever you are in the process of God showing up in the midst of your uncertainty, of your instability, of your crisis? Lastly, let me just read of David's experience of God's provision, verses 17 through 20. I'll read it one more time. He sent for me on high. He took me. What? He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, for those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me forth into a, not a narrow place, a broad place. He rescued me. Because he delighted in me. That's our God. And I am with you in my ability or inability to trust him. I think part of the reason First and Second Samuel were written is the reminder God provides for his people. We've got the bookends, hand on one end and David for another. I pray as you're in this psalm and others that you would come to trust and wait upon that God, that you'd be willing to express frustration that you might have with him. You know, before I was in the pastor at Hope and I worked for a campus ministry and we were in Latin America and we showed up to Chile honestly kind of brokenhearted. We had been to language school, hadn't been through a uh, miscarriage and the doctors told us, you guys are going to be able to conceive a child but take one to term, you, you might want to get busy. And we were a little bit older when it came to have children. And so uh, fairly quickly we were in Chile, we found out we were pregnant, had an ultrasound to confirm that and uh, started to ask the question, um, who's going to be our doctor? And so there was another missionary couple there. They had a baby, and so Hope asked her, who'd you have? Well, Dr. Fon, who? Well, okay, did you like? Yeah, I thought real highly of it. Delivery went well. Well, how'd you pick her? Well, well, somebody else recommended her to us. So it's the night before Chris is going to be born, and I'm knowing that tomorrow my wife's going to the hospital, and more than not, we're going to have a C-section, which in fact happened to deliver our first son. And I thought, do I trust this doctor with my wife and our first child? And what I've gone on is recommendations from others who've had a good experience. What's my point? David's making a recommendation to you. And you know what he's saying to you and to me? This God is trustworthy. And in fact, he's been trustworthy for the last 3,000 years. In your crisis, I understand maybe, it is not, maybe it's not going the way you want. Maybe God's not coming through. But David is crying out, let me tell you about my experience. He's trustworthy. And in a world where, man, we're, trying, we're seasick and we're trying to find stability, David said, I found him to be a refuge. And David didn't get a snap answer. It was 10 to 13 years with this nutcase, with all the resources, they, Israel chasing him around. But he found him to be faithful. And God is using his words to call you and to call me. Trust me. Trust me. I 
not worthy of your trust. When we can't find stability, we would go to this one who showed himself to be faithful and stable for the last 3,000 years.